0: We're in Romans chapter 3 down to 23. It said there, that we'd seen last week, the righteousness. The, God makes no distinction to the Jew or the Gentile, the nations. He's offering this gospel to everybody. And we hear here in 23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's a quote out of the Psalms, Isaiah, None Righteous. A lot of people use that to excuse their sinning, to excuse their lifestyle. That is not why it was written. It was saying even the most righteous man was good before God. He failed sometime. Job, the most righteous man at the time on the whole earth, and yet he made sacrifice for his kids. They were grown kids and for himself. So he acted as a priest. So he had some kind of relationship but it's believed he came out of one of the Arab nations. Like we say, he lived during Jacob and Joseph's time, and as far as God was, he was more righteous than any of them, but so God makes no distinction. Jews were privileged, but they weren't no better, and God punished them later because he said, you're always a stiff necked and rebellious people, and when I chose you, I didn't chose you because you were good, or because you were better than anybody else, and you sort of Began to think that. They began to despise the Gentiles and look down on them, and they got more judged than many of the Gentile nations did. So, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, fallen short of God's expectation. Every Jew, every Gentile from all the nation, you can find one person outside of Christ that never sinned, no matter how good they were, and they lived good, and God accepted that at that time. But not one maintained a holy nature in practice all the time. Those under the law, simply having the law showed them that there was some fault sometime and they had to sacrifice. Everybody did under the Jewish system. When it says the law sometime, like it does not always refer to the law of Moses, it includes the moral law, the conscience, includes everybody. So the person in conscience, you could say like Job, but Others that didn't have the law, the knowledge of certain things, of course, Jacob and Joseph didn't have it then. God was just beginning with them. Their conscience is convict them. Immediately, it's telling them, you did something wrong. And they would try to make it right. And God accepted this from the Gentiles. He accepted that if they, but they still had sinned. And on their own, they could not atone for that sin. Something had to be done. They couldn't lift themselves up by their bootstraps. They couldn't offer anything because they'd sinned. And it was unacceptable from God. God deals sometimes, uh, we say all the time, he, he's a legalistic in certain things. And he tries to work around it where he can. It says God loves mercy above judgment. So he'll work around. He'll be long-suffering. He'll try to straighten that. But in his holiness, he can't just overlook sin and wrongdoing. It has to be dealt with some way or another. Okay. So we sometimes forget even the privilege, like I say, under Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were going to enter in, and we're entering into a covenant with God. It never said the Jew was better in practice than some Gentiles, so we have to remember that. Like I said, where Joseph lived, he was next to Pharaoh in power in Egypt. And it was about that time, and it grates on the Jews even today. Job was an Arab, and Job, God witnessed to the devil. He told him, There is none liking in all the earth who loves righteousness and hates evil. Well, like I say, Jacob and Joseph were living at that time. So God makes no distinction he can privilege people, he can enter in, in, but he looks individually to what that person knows, how much light they had, and evidently, Job walked very well in what he had. I mean, God said, there's none like you in all the earth. He was sort of bragging to the devil, have you seen my servant? Of course, the devil saw him, and the first shall be last, and the last shall be first, said Jesus. So that's for Christians, and We might look at someone and think, "Oh, they're great, and they're great evangelists." They this. They may be on the bottom of the totem pole when they get to heaven. They may not have carried out with what they were given. They may not have done as well as they should have. People might admire them, but God looks at everything. He judges the heart, the motive. So it might be some some little woman who just prays a lot, and she obeys the Lord. She may have a fire stand, and that person will see. He judges motive and intent. They don't fool him. So like I say, even Job made sacrifice for sin and himself, he acted like a priest. He was like Melchizedek, who many believe was actually the son of Noah. He was Shem, and he was living at the time that Abraham was living. And usually the head of the families, of the clans, they were always considered a king and a priest. And he was called the king of Salem and a priest of Salem. He said he was priest of the most high God. And Abraham, he paid offerings to him. And if it was true, he would have been his great-great-great-grandfather. But they'd spread out by then, and the earth was getting a lot of people. So we see that, that everybody, even those, you can't find one person that hasn't failed or sinned. And God doesn't hold all that against them personally, but He has to deal with it. He admires people today that we're under grace, so they go and sin all they want, live on, and so they go into hell. They don't understand. Grace is to cover our sins, remove them, actually. The Old Testament covered it. And it's to give the person power to live above it. It does not give him license to sin, it will not excuse him. You read the scripture, and if a Christian doesn't judge himself and deal with things, it says, the Lord will. And he it said, it's grievous. It's very sorrowful. It means he'll afflict some kind of pain or punishment, and they won't like it. No more than a, a little four-year-old likes his bottom spanked. And he says, but when God's finished, it says it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. What does it do? It causes him to stop sinning. Just like a child, you spank him, he goes into the street, he might not go next time. His number one priority is he may not want to be hit, but he'll learn, you can't, you can't do this. And so that's what God will do to Christians that keep confessing and confessing and don't do nothing about their sin. He'll deal with them. And if you don't, they're bastards and they're false Christians. As so if you're getting away with a lot, you need to really find out if you're a Christian because God doesn't have any bastards. And he don't put up with it. But it says after he's punished them, we don't like the word punished, but after he's disciplined them, and it's grievous, he said, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And then he immediately says, because they're so close, for without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So if God doesn't do that, they'll end up in hell. They'll be backslid. And some people, when God starts dealing with them, they do backslide. But that's in God's attention: You get right or you get out. I'm not going to play this little game with you. So he'll drive them in or drive them out. Remember the psalm says so some people, it said they, they get stiff neck and rebellious against the Lord when he corrects them. And he'll punish them seven times. It means he'll do it completely until they, they either learn the lesson or they, they get out. And he said he'll stiffen his neck. So the current person, anybody, even the Christian, he starts getting arrogant and he fights the Lord over these things too long. It says he will be cut off. He'll be cut off. It comes a time the Lord, the branch that bears fruit, but if it don't bear fruit after it's been pruned a while, it says the Jesus and my Father cut you off, cast you aside. Oh, people don't want to believe that. They want to talk about the sentimental Jesus. Well, they're deceived. He has a side like that, but not to those who want to sin against him and be rebellious and be a false Christian. He has no use for that. Okay, so we see everyone, even the best, they failed at times. They've some, It don't matter if it's a little sin. They are born, and we are born, call original sin. We have a magnetic drawing towards sin, and God, that alone, he doesn't cause him to judge a person. He knows that. He says, I remember their dust. He says, I remember what they are. But then eventually they do something. They practice a sin or something, and then God starts to deal with them more. Okay, Verse 24, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. For who? For those who believe. Whether it matter if they're Gentile or A Jew, he said, they come to Jesus, that's what happens to them. All who believe that trust in the Lord's justification and follow him, they forget that. Many false ones say, He justly cleansed and they go about living their sins. Well, they're not Christians. They've got the wrong gospel. You see, God saves us from the devil and the world, but He saves us for Himself. We have to change allegiances. We're not left to ourselves. Have a license to sin and run around and oh, I've got my salvation. Well, you're going to be surprised at the day of judgment. Jesus says, Some will stand speechless when they see this, how deceived they were. What can they say? It ain't nothing they can do. It's too late, okay? So he tells us he does this through grace. False teachers tell us it's all grace. No, it isn't all grace. You'll never find that in scripture. It's not all faith. You'll always see in spiritual things the God side and the human side, and they have to join together. A person's not going to be saved just because God wants him saved or predestined. That's a bunch of baloney. And a man's not going to be saved by being good and thinking, I'll just do this and that, and I'll please God. No, it won't please him because he said all have sin, That has to be dealt with. So it's a lie, this greasy grace, false faith, I call it. We live by faith. Doesn't say we are saved and we're given something instantly. Oh, you might be given something and Christ will come in in you, but he won't stay with you long if you don't mean business. Why call me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to obey me? What is he saying? I'm not your Lord. I'm your God and I'm going to be your judge, but I'm not your Lord because you don't obey me. You don't follow me. These are the sons of God, it says in Romans. These are the children, those who are led of the Spirit. That's continuous. That's not a one-time experience. People bank too much on a one-time experience. Well, they're teaching a false gospel. Okay? We bear fruit, and that fruit is works, but it's spiritual works. It's not self-effort. It's not pharisaical work. People go after James and try to explain him way. Well, he perfectly knew what he's talking about. If you study what he's talking about, he's talking about a work that's spiritual, and he's saying if you got true faith, then you'll do true work. So you got false faith; you don't have the right grace of faith. If I can't see the action, if I can't see that you're bearing fruit, and the fruit is spiritual works and obedience, if you don't have that. You don't have the true faith and grace. He said your faith is dead. He said it about three times, "Faith without works." Is dead. And he's talking about spiritual works. He's not talking about all your own efforts and I'll do this and pacify God and I'll be bad and good and he'll outweigh my good. He ain't talking about that. That's false. When sometimes these false doctrines came out, they were answered with other false doctrine. The Catholics have big on human works and all kinds of things. And then all of a sudden they went to the other side. And you're saved by faith alone. Scripture don't teach that. I said, You're no better than the Catholics. You have a license to sin? That's at least the Catholics get a purgatory sometime, and they'll start to straighten up a little bit. They believe it's purgatory. Well, if they get in purgatory, they're never going to get out. They're going to be wondering after a while, when is purgatory going to end? It ain't going to end. There is no purgatory. So we can do nothing that says without God's grace. That's true. But it's not all grace. But by the grace of God, I I that's a bunch of baloney. It's by you yielding to the grace of God. It's not for you just using it and, oh, I examine what you're saying. You're saying God's favorite to you. He'll give you grace. You know, we go, uh-uh, he's no respecter of persons. No, it's by his grace, and you yielded to that grace. That's the only way you can say that and mean that in the right term. But it's not all God. Oh, I hear people say, it's all grace. It's all. I said, no, it's not. You're excusing your sin, and you're a false Christian. Well, they don't get happy about that, but I don't care. So we must respond to the will of the Lord if we're going to remain in Christ Jesus. He'll be patient, long-suffering, but don't the Lord want tell you he's going to wait 10 or 20 years for you. He don't do that. Scripture warns us, Jesus warns us, repent quickly, he says in churches, or I'll take your lampstand over. Lampstand is him. He would say, I won't be in you and on the church. I won't be a part of you. That's what it means. But he always said, repent, quick, Gary. He says, swift destruction on false teachers and those who backslide and get into hell. What is the swift destruction? He don't kill them. He removes himself. They're destroyed spiritually. They're dead again and their sins and trust That's the swift destruction. The long suffering says, I'll wait until judgment day. Maybe you'll reconsider. These people, oh, you can't come to the Lord. That's true. But God gives everybody grace. If you have a conscience, you have the grace of God. And you respond to what you know, and God will respond. He said, anyone who wants to know his will can know it. Well, there's conditions, though, to know that. People don't believe he's always sitting there waiting. No, he's not. Jeremiah says, if you don't seek the Lord with all your heart, you won't be found. he'll be found of him. If, and then the Hebrews says, if you diligent, he's a rewarder. Of them that diligently seek him, well, you have to take the all off. If you don't diligently seek him, he don't reward you. He'll hide the truth from you. He'll hide. You can be an intellectual brilliant, you'll have no spiritual wisdom. Oh, I know the man who quote the whole New Testament, went and heard him when I was nineteen. He's still living today. Yet he preaches a false gospel. I said, all that knowledge, and he's teaching once saved, always saved. I said, well, he don't know how to interpret scripture. What good is all that quoting scripture? Okay, so God has to give you spiritual wisdom. It don't come just by study. He opens, and that's what Paul said. I pray God gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. If he don't, you're just getting some head knowledge, but it's not being spiritual. It won't affect you too much. Okay, so we must respond to the Lord's will. He redeems, justifies—that, like someone said, just as if I'd never sinned. That's a good definition. He removes the sin. In the Old Testament, he covered the sin temporarily with animal blood because it represented Christ. But in the New, he cleanses the conscience and removes the sin. Then you can see an Old Testament where it says he'll you know, cast your sins into the depths of the sea. He won't remember 'em against you okay so we see that redemption redeeming us from the power of sin so it's not just old arguments on that sometimes what is he buying us back from he's buying you back from sin he's paying the price he's taking care of the legal justice what he's doing and so that sort of sense what it means i will bring back anytime you hear the word re it means look back repent you go back and you make things right that's what he's talking about. So he redeemed them. And all the male Jews had to, at certain times of the year, they had to pay a piece of silver, and it was called redemption money. The tabernacle, the tabernacle, all the posts, certain numbers and everything, they had mem yin and symbol, And they had to have a piece of silver, saying he redeemed the people of Israel. And so they had to do their part, and it taught them what it meant. Uh-huh. See, the schoolmaster, it was a teacher. The law was good. It says just and holy. It just could not help a man. It wasn't like the new covenant. It just told him what was wrong and what's good, what's right. And then when they sinned, they had to make sacrifice because the law could not automatically forgive them. And so when the blood was on the mercy seat, God looked down and he said, Oh, I don't see their sins. It's been covered for now. And he's saying, oh, it'll be covered right later on. And so he had overlooked, oh, they still had some problems. But he didn't expect more out of them because they didn't have Christ in them. So he dealt with them at a different level. He knew what they were capable of. And they could have wrong in their heart, but if they didn't manifest it outwardly, he didn't judge it. But if they did something, sins, they were put to death and there was no repentance for them. So he redeems us from the power of sin, all through Christ. And we know this, Chris, we we go to the scripture a lot. 1 Corinthians one thirty, but of him, of God, he's talking about God the Father now, you are in Christ Jesus, that's those who are saved and come to the Lord, who became, uh, this is where people make their big mistake, oh, I've got saved, uh, you know, I have the gift of salvation. No, you don't. You have the gift of Christ in you. And if you don't walk with him, you won't have it no more. Oh, they don't like that. It's so tough. That's the way it is. He don't give us those kind of gifts apart from him. He is the gift. And he's telling them, "I," He says, "is made to us wisdom. When he indwells us, he gives us spiritual wisdom. Bring it. Bring it people. They go to certain seminaries. Oh, they know some scripture. They're all this, but they ain't saved. They're not even saved, but they can quote a scripture to you. They can tell you the Greek and the Hebrew and everything else. Well, I know Greek and Hebrew. I said, that do mean nothing today. I said, we have so many helps. So we, we got more available to us on the computers and stuff than Paul had, but we ain't got his wisdom and spiritual walk. It don't mean nothing. mean nothing. I said, well, you should. I said why should I? I can hardly do the English right. I thought it'd come to the conclusion one day, I thought the Lord was telling me, you've got five and ten translations, and even they differ on the Greek and Hebrew. Why should you learn Greek and Hebrew? They've done it for you. Why should you waste your time? You ain't going to know more, no more when you get out with it. And I said, yeah. So you take four or five translations, and you don't need no Greek and Hebrew. Don't them let them lie to you. They're pompous. They think they know us. No, they showed that they're not spiritual, and most of them aren't saved, okay? We say often they go to seminary, but it's really a cemetery. So that's what they're going to. Okay, Christ is our righteousness, okay? He's our sanctification, it says. He's our righteousness, he's our sanctification, and he's our redemption. So he, he's made those to us. So he's put in us. That's why when he cleanses the spirit and receives us, the spirit of Christ will dwell in us, and he'll be yoked to us, and we walk with him and and if we don't continue, then that will not happen. One day he'll depart, So you don't bear fruit, my father will cut you off; I can 't stay with you. So Christ is our righteousness, sanctification, justification is close, and then' to our redemption. they're all included they're like a diamond, they're various facets of sometimes the same thing. They just stretch it a little more and include something else or tell you something else. Stay in Christ, and we keep him. We keep justification because we keep Jesus. But you ain't going to have no justification or redemption outside of Christ. There ain't no gift. He don't give you a a gift that you can run with. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It's in him. So you stay with Jesus, and you have those things because you have him. So he is that to us. Uh-huh. Forsake and love all, love him, forsake the world. The sanctification often is used uh, in Moses' covenant. It was used more in the Old Testament because of the priesthood. The priest had to give redemption money, he had to give silver, every male did. And he, in a sense, uh, takes his back and shows us. You don't find that word often in the new because it means something a little different. But the priests were set apart. Sanctification means to be separated from the world. It's interpreted it sometimes as holiness. Separated from the sin and world. Uh, now you're in God. You have to be holy. The priests had to be holy in certain lifestyles. They couldn't do certain things. But they were privileged also. Okay, You were set apart So it means you are called out. You're not common or ordinary. You have a different special sense. You're in God in a different way. They could go into the sanctuary. No other person could. They could go in and out and minister. The normal Jew could not go in there. See, he was privileged. He was anointed with blood and oil to serve the Lord for the people. Uh, So they'd give their redemption money. Uh The priests were set apart part of sanctification if you study in the old testament they were just saved uh-uh they were called out from the world like false teachers grace and faith alone i say well you could be alone in hell fought lake of fire one day you keep teaching your heresies there's no license to sin the priests when they were set apart they were set apart to serve god and then they had to be consecrated, and that's when the blood and the oil went on their thumbs, their right toe, and their ear. See, God said, I'll sanctify your hearing, your work, and your walk. But it was after, in the process, they were together. I'll call you out, I'll separate you, but I'll separate you for my use. So you can't get saved and go live the way you want to. You've got the wrong kind of salvation. There is no such salvation, okay? So they were consecrated, called out, separated, okay, to serve the Lord. So if the Lord saves someone, he saves them for himself. They're to serve him and love him and be led by him. They can't want to do that. They can't be saved. You know, it doesn't offer anything like that. There was no package deal. Oh, I'll get my salvation gift, and I'll get this. And people tell me, yeah, I used to argue with them. I don't waste time. All of a sudden, I got wise. Listen, don't waste time with these people. Like he told Peter. Peter said, the scribes are offended at you. He said, leave them alone. If the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall in a ditch. Because the blind lead the blind, they don't want the church. They want to believe this garbage. And he knows their heart. He do not waste time. People they only oh, hounds up a thirty, I don't believe that. He don't hound them. Backsliders, people, they have enough knowledge that they can respond to that and start to respond, and God will give them grace and say, okay, you mean business. Yeah, Did that with Paul. Paul was one of the best Jews there was, according to the law. He said, but you're kicking against the pricks. You're you're kicking against the goats that we used to keep the oxen. It'll put a thorn on a long stick, and if he didn't do what they wanted, they poked him in his butt with it, and he straightened up. He didn't like that. But see, he was getting his attention. And God was saying to Paul, I'm trying to get your attention. You're bent on delivering the Christians and having to put to death. He said, you mean well, but you're ignorant. And I'm now to start dealing with you. And oh, he did. He said, how are you going to kick against it? And, oh, he didn't kick against it once he realized what he was doing. And a lot of people, all this grace and faith alone and all the predestination, election, their faults heretics. They don't interpret scripture right. If you believe in the way they teach predestination, our God is a monster. I'd have to say devil's better than him. Yeah, I've heard writers say, what absurdity. These people keep their mouths shut. They're already speaking evil against the Lord. I said, "Uh, that's man's interpretation, but they don't see the whole picture. They don't see the whole product there, and they shouldn't be teaching. See, man, that's up. James said, not many of you should be teachers. Why? Because they were stupid, and they were teaching faith without works. He told them three times, it's dead, it's vain. And then he immediately says, next, don't let many of you be teachers, for we shall receive the stricter judgment. So he's saying, you go answer for what you teach, and if you misguide people, it might cost you your soul." So, you better watch with you. If you don't know the word and you've not studied maturity, matured you have no business teaching. You learn the word first. You drink the milk until you start to handle the meat, and then you can start doing something. The Lord will give you something to do. Okay. So, He is everything to us. Okay. We have to stay with Him. There's no salvation without Lordship. Oh, I know that I say it often. Uh, you read the New Testament and epistles and stuff, you'll find the word that God is our Christ and God is our Savior about sixteen, twenty times or so. Talks about him being Lord four hundred to five hundred times. I think they will uh, go back. Oh, he's my Lord. I'm just not a, he's not on a throne. Oh, I'm gonna lose rewards, but he's my Lord. I see you're gonna lose your soul. You could be damned forever. And that's why you're going to weep and wail when you see how stupid you were and how hopeless it is. I said, don't you believe that stuff? You better go back. Ask God to give you the truth. Oh, a lot of people don't want the truth. They read through the scripture. They quote the positive scriptures. Oh, I only want a positive word. Well, I said, well, I have to give you one. You're going to end up like a fire because the devil's going to deceive you if all you're going to receive is a pot. And when you say how to disobey, the Lord will give you some promises. They like the promise boxes. You never see in the promise boxes. I thought I ought to write one time. I write my own. And 25% of them are warnings and it makes me think. I said, Oh, I need to hear that. I said, You never see in the promise box the promise. If you forsake me, I'll forsake you. Oh, you don't ever hear that one, do you? Oh, they quote, I'll never leave nor forsake you. Nothing can separate from the love of Christ. You study it. Doesn't say sin. He's talking about the person that's in Christ. And walking with the Lord. He's not talking about the sinning person against God. Yeah, nothing can separate us from Christ. I tell people, sin can. I say, don't fool yourself. Oh, they grab that scripture where they're, where they're fornicating, they run out and get drunk with. nothing can separate. As you're already separated. You just don't know it. You've already been deceived. Most people are deceived. Devil's the master at it. God of this world has blinded them lest they should see. So you keep playing with sin and you don't want the truth, you're going to be deceived. And you're going to believe the lie and be damned. See, People don't want to hear that. Well, like I say, the majority of mankind, adult mankind, are going to the lake of fire. If they are, we ought to talk about it sometime. Christian can handle it. If he's living right, he says, that's a good warning. That causes you to fear the Lord. Well, why should I be afraid? I said, well, perfect love does cast out fear. But if you're sinning as God, it won't cast that out. God will show you displeasure. He'll warn you. They think, oh, he loves me no matter what I do. He has goodwill towards you, but he doesn't have covenant love for you once you enter into sin. But he has goodwill, benevolence. That's the love of God, why he gave his son. But those same people have said that he sent his son for he loved the world Read a few scriptures down. He said, but those who don't believe in the Son abide in the wrath of God. The wrath of God abides on him. It means his anger and his pleasure. Because Oh, he loves the Son. I said, well, don't take that too far. He has benevolence. But you drop dead your sins, you're forsaken. The Bible says utter disregard. God is consuming fire. They'll find out in the lake of fire. He has no mercy for them then. He turns his back and don't give him a pleasant thought. Oh, he weeps. I say, you can't find that in scripture. That's your human sentimentality. You don't understand holiness. You better learn, fear the Lord, it says, with fear and trembling. For our God is a consuming fire. That's quoted from the Old Testament. That means he said, when it was quoted, if you go to other idols, I will do you evil as I did you good. I'll cut you off. You, I mean, he has some strong words for him. And yet this was Hebrews was told to the Christian that hadn't fallen away, that was being tempted. He said, fear God, fear and trembling, serve the Lord. People say, well, yeah, I like that. I said, you read the New Testament, it talks about fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is reverence and awe, but then there's a part. I fear the sin against him because it's the only thing that can cut me off from God. It's the only thing that can separate me from God. See, that's why you fear it. He's no respecter of persons. He won't deal with you like you give given more. He'll it'll require more of you. So there's no salvation without lordship. We are saved for him. We're to bear fruit. And we know we can never do it alone. The vine is Christ, and then you have the branches, and it takes both of them to bear fruit. Never says that Jesus can bear fruit to a person by himself. uh uh-uh. When a person joked to Christ, they both have a part to play, and that's what we expect. He'll do his part. Now, that we can't doubt. He'll give the grace. He'll give the life, but you just cut it off. Your branches go wither up, and the father's going to—you're insulting, my son. (laughs) He don't like it, okay? So we see the 3, 24. He displayed his love and grace publicly as a perpetuation in his blood through faith. He's "Explain a little bit of this. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance, the long-suffering of God, putting up with this, that's the benevolence of God. You don't judge immediately. He waits. He gives people time. He has the right to judge any time you commit a sin. He could do that if he wanted to. He said, I don't want to. I prefer mercy over judgment. So he's not looking for something you do so he can hit you on the head. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to get right. He previously passed over. He says his righteousness. He wants to demonstrate his righteousness. Who? That his is Christ. And he talked about man's righteousness. Those who come to Christ, they got his righteousness. Because in God's long suffering in the old covenant, he passed over their sins previously committed. Make sure I don't get ahead of myself. Okay, Christ set forth by God to be a perpetuation by His blood, by His faith. Peasement is what it means. Perpetuation. It appeased God's holiness and justice. The sprinkle of the blood of the animal before Him to put it on the mercy seat once a year, and it. Covered all the sins previous past, not just that year, but all, it kept on all the years in the past. He said, keep covering them because they haven't been dealt with yet. That's what I mean. He winked sometimes. He said to the Gentiles, He winked at their ignorance. Well, he was sort of winking and said, Oh, I know you still have some problems, and I'll take care of it later. But you do this, and I won't break forth and judge you because my holiness has to come forth, I hate sin. So the appeasement over the mercy seat. See so again it gets back to redeeming, buying back legally the sinner. He can show mercy on him. He can have him in a covenant. He don't have to be perfect. Devil try to say, well, he did this, the you know. He said, I know that. But he's he's obeying my law and he's doing sacrifice. So I'm accepting him right now. And you mind your business, okay? Our faith and trust and belief is in his son. He's the replacement for us. All the animal sufferings and blood and all that didn't do nothing. It was a symbol. He said, till it's taken care of. So that's what happened. Then God's plan through Christ's righteousness. See, none other was sonless, none other could do it. God's patience and long-suffering, he passed over the mercy seat, and he saw the blood. He didn't see animal blood, basically. He knew it represented the plan he was going to bring forth. It represented the incarnation. It represented the Godhead. I'm going to come down and become a man, and I'm going to take care of this. So he passed over their sins. Not the future sins. A lot of people like, well, oh, we're saved from our sins past, present. It's not true. Your past sins are removed and cleansed. You walk in the Lord. You walk in sanctification. But the future it depends on what you're going to do with it. There's no guarantee. Oh, he makes provision. But you have to meet the conditions. No, our future sins are not cleansed personally. Oh, they're taken care of. when Christ said, it's finished, she took care of past, present, But you have to enter into that. Like a man, if he doesn't believe, it doesn't matter what the Lord did for him, he ain't gonna help him. He don't do his part that God wants. God's plan, man had nothing to do with it. He said, not by the will of man. But the man's will has to yield to it and repent. So see, people, they get so lopsided in their teaching because they see one scripture. You look at most heretics, I quote one scripture, they don't read the three scriptures before and the four scriptures after will cleat the whole story. See, they want falseness. Okay, let's take a break here.